I'm sure, like me, you've been giving a lot of thought to rituals and the human existence and its connection to create community and to create tribes, right? No? No? Yeah. Okay. I get it. I'm a little bit of a nerd, and sometimes when I start researching a sermon, I go on a rabbit trail. But I want you to stick with me today because I want us to process together how tolerance is weak compared to Christian love. I'll say it again. Tolerance is weak compared to Christian love. And I'm a child of, of the tolerance movement, and tolerance in and of itself is not a bad thing. But when it's compared to Christian love, it's a completely different thing. Tolerance says, I will tolerate you. You may exist. How wonderful is that? <laughs> Christian love says, you were made by God and we have differences, but I'm going to move towards you. Tolerance, when it's used improperly, can reinforce boundaries. You may exist, but, and I will tolerate you, but I'm going to stay over here and my thing, and keep you over there. That's not the heart of Jesus. Jesus goes after the one that's lost. Jesus tells us that we are to love everybody and to move towards those that are outside of our normal circles, outside of our tribe. So today, I want us to process that. The tolerance, when compared with Christian love, is weak. And I want to begin with an example of... Uh, uh, just outside of Gothenburg, Sweden in the early 1980s. The Schoberg family was driving along and they stopped for gas and the two brothers went into a gas station and they bought a pack of trading cards and these were soccer cards. And they started unwrapping them and looking at the cards and the older brother said, this guy plays for Tottenham Hotspur. It's a team in London. I'm gonna like Tottenham. The other boy pulls out a card and the player plays for Aston Villa in Birmingham, England. It's in the middle of the country. And the two brothers found their tribes. Well, the younger brother, as he's growing up, he has an experience with Jesus and feels called to go to Bible school. And he eventually winds up at Oral Roberts University, next to, living next door to, the handsome, beardless Mike Collins. And Andreas is his name, and he starts evangelizing for his team, uh, Aston Villa and me. I had been looking for a soccer team to follow ever since my team went bankrupt, the, the Tampa Bay Mutiny. And I started following and checking the scores for Aston Villa over the years. And then when I was able to stream the games, I could actually get to know the players. And when my son was born, Andreas sent matching uniforms for, for a little infant, Levi, uh, and, then, and then me. And I had to squeeze into mine because it was European sizes. So now this has gone from Sweden to America, from old, the older brother I never had and always wanted who had adopted me, the love for this tribe of soccer, uh, of soccer people is now being passed from father to son. And I'll never forget watching online when they finally let people back into the stadiums after lockdown and they started singing the, the, the fight songs for the football team. And I'm watching half a world away and I'm crying and singing with these people in Birmingham, England and deciding, oh, I need to stop streaming these games. I gotta find some place to watch with, with, um, with real Aston Villa fans. 
and I found the House of Football, LA. It's just outside of Pasadena, and I'll never forget walking into this, this place where they're showing uh, soccer games from all over England, and you've got all the different teams watching on a different screen, and I found my tribe, and they all had cool English accents, and they pulled me aside and learned my story and were telling me stories, and, and our, that, especially that first week, our team lost horribly. But the Newcastle fans that were over on the other screen, they were cheering for their team. And one of these guys from England pulls me aside and he says, you know what's beautiful about the House of Football Los Angeles? Is that all of us watch the games together and there's never any trouble. This could never happen in the UK. This could never happen where all the different tribes can get together and celebrate and no one fights. We all need a tribe. We all need a group of people where we're safe, where we're seen, where, where there's some affinity. Uh, I had a professor in seminary that used to talk about this a lot, and he would say, tribes are okay. Being tribal is not okay. Having your group, everyone needs a group, but when you start that descent into tribalism, well, we're the ones that have it right. We're better than them. That's not okay. And even more importantly, it wasn't okay with Jesus. Jesus cared about his followers sticking together, cared about it deeply. In the last recorded prayer we have of Jesus before he's going to his, his trials, before his torture and before his execution, we have this prayer in John 17 where as Jesus is talking to the heavenly father, he says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus is actually in that moment, gives me chills. He's praying for you and me, for the ones that will believe later. And I pray that they would be one. This is a big deal now, and I think more than ever, that we remain unified as, as Jesus followers. It was on Jesus' heart back then. And when I say that, that we need to be unified, I know that word can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. That, that being unified doesn't mean that, that we're all robots and that we all uh, act alike and think alike and see the world through the same eyes. No, in Christian love, it means that we keep the main thing the main thing, that, that we cultivate unity even in spite of our differences. Unity is hard. It doesn't mean, I'll, I'll say it like this. If you're taking notes at home, being unified doesn't mean being uniform. And unity isn't something that just happens on its own. In any given group of people, there's, there's different opinions. Uh, even in any given group of people, there, there's a, a, a jockeying for position. We see this in the book of Leviticus. This isn't in my notes. But even just shortly after their liberation from, from Egypt, the Hebrews, some of them started acquiring more goods than others. Like there's class differences, socioeconomic differences. It's a natural part 
of, of people being together, that if it's on autopilot, people start to split off into different tribes. And then if it continues, they become tribal. So cultivating unity is hard. Cultivating unity is messy. And if you haven't noticed, people these days, they have a lot of opinions. If you haven't noticed, out in our culture and in our world, there are a lot of different tribes. So how do we, as Jesus followers, cultivate unity? And what does that unity look like? One of the first leaders in, in the Christian movement, the Apostle Paul, he writes about this in his letters a lot. It's in Romans, it's in Colossians, it's in uh, Galatians, but it's also in Philippians. And uh, in this letter to the, the believers in Philippi, he says this in chapter two, verses one and two. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind. Now, Paul is this brilliant thinker and he's, he's either writing or dictating these thoughts in Greek language and the, the, the grammatical constructions are really complicated, but I wanted to highlight a couple words. He's like, if, if you have any encouragement from your experience with Christ, and that word in there has this image, encouragement, meaning that on your journey, it can feel like long, lonely, like, like walking through the desert, you're thirsty. And when, when you meet Jesus, it's like someone comes along beside you and puts their arm over your shoulder and gives you a refreshing, replenishing drink of water. If, if any of that, Paul is saying, if any of this experience of, of becoming a believer and joining the family of Christ, if that's encouraged you, if you have any tenderness, if God has pricked your heart, that word tenderness and compassion is tied up in, in the, the seat of emotions and in, in Greek thinking. They didn't say, I loved you with all, all my heart. They would say, I love you with all my guts. Doesn't really translate into our culture. Hey baby, I love you with all my guts. But he's saying if anything has moved you to the core, the next step, like make my joy complete, be of one mind, be of, be of one mind, the mind of Christ is what he's saying. Like we should realize that Christ has gone to the lengths of serving and suffering for us to rescue us. Have that mind. Look at other people that way. Like I said before, unity does not mean uniformity. Unity means sticking together and keeping the main thing the main thing in spite of our differences. We may come from different places, have different shades of melanin on our skin, may have more resources than other people. Paul says in, in other places, he's like, in Christ there's Jew nor Gentile, male nor female, like we're all one. That's, the, that's God's dream. And actually, if you read through Paul's letter, he is comfortable with robust discussions about non-essentials. In fact, Paul actually encourages it. In some places, he says, be fully convinced. So he's okay with robust discussions and he's okay with differences. What Paul and what Jesus, what they're not okay with 
is disunity. And there's a prescription for it in Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 15, verse 7. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Now, that seems simple on the surface. Like in, in when people have disagreements, when people don't see uh, an issue the same way, Paul says, accept one another. And in English, okay, be nice. But here, there's more here in the original language than it just doesn't translate into English uh, because of the tense for accepting one another. What Paul is saying here is that if, if you're a Jesus follower, he's saying, make every effort to accept one another. Keep making every effort to accept one another. Don't stop making every effort to accept one another because Jesus made the effort to accept you and me. Jesus went to the lengths to rescue us, to make a way back into the family of God. This is why tolerance is weak compared to Christian love. Tolerance says agree to disagree and at times, then we'll agree not to talk to one another anymore. But Christian love is curious. Christian love moves towards someone who's not the same as them and says, you come from a different background. You, we, we may not see eye to eye on everything, but I love you. I, I accept you. Maybe not accept everything you believe. I don't accept uh, what you say about that, but you matter. Tolerance allows for boundaries and fences and walls. But if you look at the life of Jesus, he continually moves toward people on the other side of the fence, on the other side of the boundary. The way he treated women, the way he treated Gentiles, he's moving towards the other. And which world do you find yourself living in? You don't have to put it in the comments below. You don't have to share it with your neighbor. But what do you live in? Do you live in the world of boundaries? Or do you live in the world where, you're, as you're following Jesus, you are moving towards other people? I've heard it explained this way. Some people live in brick world, and they build walls with different uh, ideologies, and they build walls. Uh, Christians are really good at this. Do you use a glass pulpit, or do you use a wooden one? Do you believe this? And, and, they, and with their doctrines, they build a wall, and then little pantomime, they look over the wall and go, hmm, they're out and everyone on their side of the wall is in. But if you're following Jesus, you come up to those walls. This is a different world to live in. And you go past them. It doesn't mean you, you leave behind your ideals. It doesn't mean you're lowering the standard at all. It means as you're walking towards Jesus, towards being with Jesus, that's the goal of the Christian life. Because when you're with Jesus, it changes you from the inside out. All the behaviors and surfacey stuff, that gets taken care of when you are surrendering every part of your life to Jesus. So you can either live in brick world, or you can live in the world where you're following the, the good shepherd. I was in a, a, a seminar for pastors where a, a former bishop of the Brethren in Christ said, Christians agree on 80 to 90% of doctrine like on the essentials. And he said, and I'm just pulling that number out. I don't have a way of statistically proving it. But for the most part, Christians agree on the majority of things. 
But my goodness, how we can fight over that 10% or 20%. Like I said before, I'm not advocating for lower standards or some sort of choose your own adventure Christianity where, okay, you believe this, you believe that, okay, it's all good. No, what Paul is advocating for, what Jesus would advocate for us if he were in the room and talking to us right now, he'd say, no, follow me. Be with me. Point your heart towards me. And those boundaries take care of themselves if we're moving towards Christ. Because if we're all unified in the direction that we're moving, being with Jesus, obeying Jesus, it actually raises the standard. It's nice and comfortable to keep things in the realm of mere beliefs. But when you start combining the right belief with the right behavior, the way gets more narrow. The way gets harder. The way gets messier. And you know what? I think that's what our culture needs to see from Christ followers. That we can model how to be unified in the biblical sense of the word. People will notice. What? Baptists and Presbyterians praying together? And I'm just picking those right off the top of my head. I'm not trying to pick on anybody. People need to see us focus on the essentials, who Jesus is. Uh, focus on the essentials of actually walking out what, what Jesus said this life was to be about. The world will notice that. And it's harder to keep the main thing the main thing. It's harder to have people together from different socioeconomic backgrounds. It's hard and it gets messy when people of different cultures are together. And like I said, it's okay to have tribes, but we can't be tribal. We can't be tribal. There's this moment in the movie, The Gladiator, the Russell Crowe one, where Russell Crowe plays this character who's been, uh, he was a general, then he becomes a slave, and he's fighting his way up through the gladiator ranks, and he's actually in the Roman Colosseum with other slave gladiators and his general skills are starting to come out and he and he gathers all these these fighters together in a formation and they're they're shoulder to shoulder and he's trying to yell out instructions to them and saying no matter what comes through that gate stay together and he's there's an urgency to it no matter what comes through that gate stay together the gate opens and chariots come out and warriors come out and lions and tigers and bears, oh my, come out. And you can see the fear on, on all of Russell Crowe's guys. You can see the fear on their faces and he still implores them, stay together. And they're, they're, they're fighting literally for their lives. And there's a little quick scene where one guy gets scared and starts to run away and he's quickly taken out. You and I need the... the, the the fellowship of our brothers and sisters. You are probably facing things that are bigger than you. It's one thing the world needs to see the example the, of us modeling what true unity looks like. But this is actually good for you. This is good for you to have a group of people uh, that you're with, that that nothing can stand against. Jesus said, the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. 
Why would we want to do things on our own? And I think that's a word for this year. And something that I want us to double down on is is staying together and unified. Doesn't mean we agree on everything. Then no matter what comes at us, we're stronger, we're together, and we need you. We need you. If you're not involved in a local church, uh, maybe you watch this and you're in another country or you're in another state, I wanna challenge you to find a group of believers. Maybe it's been a long time since you've been to church. You can come here and hang out with us as much as you want, but you need real people in your lives. And maybe maybe you have some hurts in your background. Maybe you're like, I've tried that and, and that just ripped my heart out <laughs> and, st- and people stomped on it. And if that has happened to you, I am so sorry. And please let me stand in the place of of those folks and apologize. That wasn't right. If you need help finding a life-giving, loving local church, please reach out to us. If you're really far away, we will help you. Um, If you live in the Southern California area, you need a local church and we would love to be that church for you. And the world needs to see a group of people saying, we're gonna stay together. We may disagree on this or that, eat different foods, or whatever the differences are. But to see a group of people say, you are made in God's image, and let's pursue Jesus together. And no matter what comes through that gate, we're going to face it together. I think that's beautiful. So if you have any questions about this, uh, I don't want these times to just be Mike's come out of his office with the stone tablets and, and this is the last word. I want this to be the first word. I'd love to keep talking about this, whether it's uh, through email. Uh, we have a, a web uh, uh, email address. Uh, you can ask questions about this, uh, questions at sgbic.com. And we'd love to, to process this throughout the week. So if you have any questions, please join in the conversation. That's what I'm trying to say. I want this to be more of a conversation. If you've got questions, you can put them in the chat down below and we'll, we can all discuss it together. And I'm not afraid. You may ask me something I don't know the answer to. Well then, let's, let's find out together and, and let's keep this, uh, this conversation going and figure out how this applies, how we can live this out in our day-to-day lives. So until we're together again, May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine down upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and may God give you his peace. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, amen.